Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. TPR's Prophetic History, Session 11, entitled The Buried Treasure. Where are we going with this? Yes, exactly. Where are we going with this? I want to tell you that there are so many aspects of our prophetic history that are invigorating, exciting, challenging, and so often the Lord has chosen to speak to us in parables, and he uses parables to accomplish his purposes, and tonight's message, tonight's session has, uh, I want to give it to us tonight to reach for the future, because most of the other sessions, there were pieces, uh, most, not all, but there were pieces of, of most of the other sessions that had already landed, that had already manifest, that were already reality. None of this has happened yet. All of what I'm going to tell you tonight is a prophetic glimpse into our future. It's promises about the prayer room's future. And I'll just say it this way. I think you needed the stories that we've heard over the past weeks in order to be able to believe this to be real about our future. Because the Lord spoke it the same way he spoke all the others, dreams and such. And the others we've seen, the Lord did and he accomplished. I think we're gonna need to lean on the history of those past stories that we've been telling in order to believe for tonight's message or for tonight's uh, promises because they are so wild and impossible. I'll also give you a preview, a little sneak peek We're going to need the stuff that this session deals with to have happened in real life, in in reality, in order to believe for next week's session. Because whatever craziness we talk on tonight is the shallow end of the pool by comparison to what the Lord has told us is coming in the future. And I'll just tell you, I am filled with excitement and trembling because of how ridiculous what I'm going to share with you is tonight. It is so absurd if it's not the Lord, it is a complete waste of our time to even talk about these things because it is bizarre and and huge and impossible to make happen. Well, just as a little point of uh, reference because we've been focusing not only but telling so many dreams over the course of this series, I want to give you this. Uh, This particular storyline related to the buried treasure and, and $10 million and a couple other strange things. We have had 13 dreams from three different people, and it all happened in a very quick period of time. Just the dreams alone, uh, we had 13 dreams from three different people in about 18 months. And that's a really weird way to live, by the way. I, I mean, I, don't, I just can't stress to you how bizarre it is to have a dream about something impossible that really couldn't happen and is weird. And then after you have that dream, someone else who doesn't know you had that dream come tell you they had a dream and it's the same dream. It's a really weird way to live. And then to have that happen 13 times in a year plus about the most ridiculous, crazy impossibility imaginable, you wind up in this really weird state in your heart Because you know the Lord's telling you, you have to give yourself to this. You cannot let this go. But in the natural, you're seeing nothing happen. And it's a very difficult thing to continue to believe for weird, crazy, intense, prophetic 
things when the Lord keeps saying, you have to believe this, you have to believe it. But in the natural, your flesh is just weary. And then when you talk about it, until you get a little bit of clarity, you just look like the weird uncle. I mean, you just, you like don't make any sense to others and to yourself. And so I, I just, I have a lot wrapped up in this message tonight because it is invigorating. It is exciting. And it's also a, it requires such a, a stretch and a reach of faith that I wouldn't share these things with you except that the Lord made it really clear a number of years ago that I needed to also be sharing this part of our prophetic story that I had in, in, in past times not told uh, because it was uncomfortable and weird and hadn't happened yet and all those things. So anyway, I'm sure these things are coming, but just kind of hold on to your seat. Okay, so part of the reason that I'm sharing this isn't just so that you hear it, but so that you'll pray into it, that you'll believe these, that you'll wrestle with the Lord to see if you believe them or not. And if you do, then to, to lay in and pray with us and believe, because I believe part of the reason these things haven't happened, not all of it, but part of the reason is because as a community, we've not been laying a hold of these things in prayer to the degree that will be necessary to see them happen. And so I share this in, in part tonight to provoke you to go on the journey of talking to the Lord about this to see if you bear witness, if your spirit bears witness that these things are true. And if they do, then to join us in interceding for them. So let's get started. The $10 million storyline. You go, what is that? We have such weird things we believe around here. All right, so in the last session, I talked about the Escapade building. Told you guys all about this building over on Cooper Street that we believe that the Lord's going to get to us, give us give us the money to buy. Somehow we're going to wind up with it. And I shared, you know, a couple dozen stories related to that. Well, in that same period of time, we started to get a bunch of words about the Lord giving us $10 million. And I want to share with you the first word in my uh, estimation, the first way that that came about. I'm in the prayer room pacing back and forth and I had just gotten done having a couple of these dreams about the Escapade building, and I, I'm really believing that the Lord's going to do it. But at the same time, I'm thinking, just from a very pragmatic standpoint, uh, we're going to need money, if not to buy it, let's say it was given to us, to remodel it, and to furnish it, and to this and to that. And I just started thinking about all that we would want to do, and all that we would want to do based off things that the Lord has spoken to us about. And I'm thinking about, well, we're going to want this equipping center. He's told us about having a, a forerunner equipping center that's going to be a, a real training institution in the region. And we're going to have a prayer room that's going to be able to hold a bunch of people. And we're going to need to remodel that. And you're going to need chairs. And all this. I'm just putting together all the details as well as housing, starting to think about, man, it'd be great if we could buy an old hotel, a small hotel or a little apartment complex. I'm starting to process what are some of the things that we're going to need. And in my mind, in this prayer meeting that was just, you know, back not long after I started having these dreams, I started just locking hold in this prayer meeting. I said, Lord, I think we're going to need about $10 million. I said, Lord, give us $10 million. And for the next hour, this was the first time I'd ever prayed for $10 million or thought $10 million or heard $10 million. That was just a really big reach of faith for me, but it was something that I was praying for. I'm pacing back and forth for the next hour. Lord, give us $10 million for all this stuff that we're going to do. I pray it for, for an hour. At the end of our prayer meeting, we do a time of rapid fire prayer. 
we're praying for provisions for the prayer room because at that point I think we had, you know, maybe $10,000 of debt or something. And, and we were praying for, you know, provisions and that kind of thing. But we weren't praying for, you know, millions or anything. We we're just praying for the Lord to pay off the debt or whatever. Tom Ferris goes up to the microphone, which is always a lead into a story when Tom... <laughs> Tom Ferris walks up to the microphone for his rapid fire and he prays this, Lord, release to this ministry. Now, keep in mind, for the last hour, I have been pacing back saying, God, give us $10 million, give us $10 million. I've not said that to anyone or out loud. End of the prayer meeting, he says, Lord, release to this ministry an injection of finances. You know what, Lord? Why not pray for a specific amount? Doesn't that just sound like Tom? How about $10 million? I pray that you would release $10 million to the prayer room so we can accomplish your purposes. My jaw dropped. I have been praying for an hour for $10 million and never thought that number before in my life. And now here, Tom Ferris is praying on the mic for the Lord to give the prayer room $10 million. I'm alerted. I'm realizing this wasn't my idea. This was God's. I don't know how this is going to work or what this is going to mean, but I am sure that all that praying I just did for the last hour, it, there's something on it. There's a little bit of the sauce on it, that the Lord is in this, and somehow or the other, it's good that I'm praying for $10 million. Well, not knowing what else to do. Oh, oh yeah, during this period of time, oh, by the way, I'm going to kind of skip around a little bit. During this period of time, I'm having dreams, others are having dreams, and the dreams begin to show not just $10 million, but $10 million in buried gold coins. I know that's a really weird thing, but, the, but these dreams, it's not just $10 million, but it's $10 million in buried treasure or $10 million in gold or $10 million in gold coins. Just a really interesting connection point that the Lord keeps making. So I'm praying at this point, I'm praying every day, Lord, give us the $10 million because it seems like he wants to give us $10 million. So that's what I'm praying. Well, a little bit of time goes by. I am going to change this page. You'll see. I'll get there. Okay. A little bit of time goes by, and uh, I have a dream. And it's, this is the first dream. This is the first prophetic thing that I can really lock into other than the thing that, you know, Tom was praying the same thing I was praying. This is the first time that this 10 million uh, figure shows up in the dream, and I'm going to read it to you. In the dream, there was a series of interviews being conducted, and I'm watching this, and they all had this one thing in common, each one of these interviews. Some years prior, and it seemed like probably around 10 years before, each one of these people that was being interviewed was given approximately $10 million. One person after another told their story about what they had done with the money. I didn't get to hear the details of any of the stories except for the fact that it was all approximately $10 million, approximately $10 million, except the last lady. One lady starts telling her stories and she said when she received the inheritance, she didn't know what to do with it, so she put it in a bag and hid it. She said, I forgot all about that until just recently. She said, I wonder whatever happened to that money. It seemed like it had been around 10 years since she had hidden the money. And in my dream, in my dream, this seemed like the parable of the foolish servant uh, and the parable of the talents. So in the dream, I'm thinking this is like the, the parable of the talents where they, where they just buried the money and hid it, you know? So I wake up, I write down the dream, 
And I'm thinking, well, man, I want to go read that passage, the passage of the parable of the talents. Now, this is just a dumb thing that won't matter to any of you, but it matters deeply to me. I really, really, really don't like the fact that the NIV study Bible changed and they've changed the, and they updated it from the 1983 version to the 2013 version. I do not like the 2013 version of the NIV study Bible. I don't like it. Now that sounds like a rant. It's because it's a rant. I memorized so many passages and so many thought processes based off of the language that was in the 1983 version. And when they released the 2013 version, they changed all the language and made me mad. And now you can't find the digital version. Anyway, I'm going to stop. All right, so here's the reason that that matters. I know that parable as the, talent, the parable of the talents. That's how I know that parable because of the way that it's written in the study notes and blah, 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 blah. I know that parable as the parable of the talents. But I go and look it up, and I'm using Bible Gateway, which only has the 2013 version of the NIV. I open it up, and as soon as I open it up, it says the parable of the bags of gold. I went, whoa, this is exactly the language that we've been getting. Not talents, but bags of gold. Specifically that language. And I, I see it and I go, oh my gosh. Okay, NIV, you, you, you won one. Okay, I mean, I, that's, a, that's a prophetic something. That's a perhaps or something. There's something in there. And I'm, once again, I'm taken back because it was the language in the dream I thought about that parable. So I'm coming from a dream now into real life, and I'm seeing that the Holy Spirit's tracking, that this is exactly what I'm supposed to be thinking. Well, it's now a few days later, and I have another dream, but this time, while it seems like it's $10 million, that number isn't used. Instead, the concept of buried treasure is used specifically, okay? Now, this dream, we don't often talk about it as one of those major dreams that was a plumb line dream. But it was. It was a dream that the Lord used, and that then we had multiple other prophetic experiences and dreams that built off of this dream. So this is actually a really important one to us in our history. Now, I'm going to just read it. I'm going to just read it. In the beginning of the dream, the Coopers, who uh, Cherish and Luke Cooper have been part of this community since, since its start. In the beginning of the dream, the Coopers were coming over to Amy Mai's house with their new baby. The dream really highlighted how surprising and miraculous this baby was. In the dream, there was also something of extreme value like buried treasure or something that was underneath my house. Here's a really interesting detail. When they came over to our house, the baby, they were in real life, they were pregnant at that time with Zephaniah, who was a boy. Well, in the dream, they were coming over to our house with a girl. They'd had a baby girl, but the baby girl wasn't a baby. She was like 11 years old or something, 11 or 12 or 13, somewhere in that age bracket. Well, what's really, really interesting about the timing of this, I have been planning to do this session tonight for however long since we started all this. Luke and Cherish Cooper aren't here tonight. They're not here tonight because they just took uh, full-time um, custody of Cherish's 10-year-old female niece, and they're working towards adopting her. And so they're not here tonight because they got a miraculous girl that's not a baby, that's an 11-year-old. I, I just, the way that the Lord works the timing on this. 
Anyway, in the beginning of the dream, the Coopers were coming over to our house with their new baby. Uh, but this baby was an 11-year-old girl. And in the dream, there was something like buried treasure under my house. And the feel of the dream was that this was $10 million. But there was a catch. In order to unlock the great wealth that was under the house, we needed an important piece of paper to access it. Amy and the Coopers went inside our house, but I stayed outside because I sensed that something was about to happen related to the treasure. And something did happen. Very suddenly, I was given a document that we had been lacking. And as soon as I was given this document, I knew that we had all that we needed in order to be able to access the great wealth under my house. I woke up and I understood that somehow the coming of baby Cooper was, re- was to be assigned to us related to the buried treasure. I know that is the most bizarre thing ever. I'm going to give you a little a snapshot of what I just said because it's important or the entire rest of this message won't make sense. So track with me. In this dream... I'm in my front yard, and I know there's buried treasure under my house that I cannot access. It's mine. It's under my house, but I can't get to it. I know I'm waiting on a specific piece of paper, and that this piece of paper, when I get this document, this document will indicate to me where the treasure is and how to get the treasure. I've got it. I just can't access it, but i got to have the paper. When I get the paper, I'll know where the treasure is and how to get to it. Okay, you tracking? All right, and then the baby Cooper thing was just kind of a little bonus in there, and maybe that'll be timing issue, maybe it won't, who knows with all such things. Okay, well, again, this seems like it's the $10 million that was in the dream. It was like, this buried treasure feels like it's the 10 million. Maybe it's a different chunk of money. I'll take 10 different chunks of money if the Lord wants to give it, whatever he wants to do, but it seems like it's that $10 million. A month later, I have another dream. I'm just telling you, You can't make these dreams happen. You could lie and say you had dreams, but you can't make dreams happen. So you can't make 13 dreams about $10 million and buried treasure in a course of a, you know, however many months. You can't fabricate that. It's the way that the Lord uses to keep our attention on something. If he tells us something once, maybe we forget about it. If he tells us twice, maybe we take him seriously. Maybe if we don't, but if he just keeps hammering the point, over and over. It's something you have to take seriously. And I just want to tell you, this story tonight isn't about me taking it seriously. I'm doing that as best as I can. This story tonight is about inviting you to take this seriously. All right, so it's a, it's a month later and I have another dream. In this dream, however, the prayer room is being uh, represented somehow as a, as a militia and I am the warlord, which of course is terrifying. Uh, I'm the warlord, and the, the prayer room, or this militia, is acquiring this tricked out black and uh, silver trim Jeep. It is like the coolest Jeep, it's the most envious thing I've ever seen in my life, and I've only seen it in my dream. I, it is this amazing uh, Jeep. So anyway, I'm just gonna read it to you real quickly. In the dream, this warlord had stolen this one-of-a-kind, tricked out, all-terrain Jeep from another warlord. It was a black, it was black with uh, silver trim. It had a raised into air intake and reinforced armor, and it was a powerful vehicle. 
In the dream, it was like I was seeing things from the angle of a movie camera that was panning over the scene. And I saw a sea of vehicles all parked together in a large field. The camera was searching for one particular vehicle, just panning back and forth. And when it finally found it, it zoomed in on it. It was this Jeep. And from this camera angle perspective, I somehow knew instantly that there's whole backstory to the Jeep that within this Jeep, there was actually $10 million hidden within it. So somehow in the, in the side, you know, in the, in the panel of the door, or in the undercarriage, somewhere in this Jeep was $10 million. And I woke up from the dream and I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm like, I, I get the, the picture. I understand that the, 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 the Jeep is representative of something that the prayer room is gonna acquire somehow, maybe even acquire somehow nefariously. I mean, we stole it in the dream, I don't know. And so, but it's, I, I just know in my, in my heart, like, we're gonna get this Jeep. This Jeep is a piece of property. This Jeep is some, I don't know what the Jeep is exactly, but we're gonna get it, and there's gonna be $10 million in it somehow. All right, now, what's really weird, this is just the parables of the Lord. The last time I told this story, I've, I got it written just that way, and I'm ready to teach it that night here, okay? The last time I tell this story, I'm coming to the prayer room, and I'm, I'm on Bowen coming under 20, okay? If you can kind of picture that. And I'm thinking about this dream, and I pull up next to an all-black FJ Cruiser that has silver trim, an air intake, and stripped out to the max. I look at it, and I am astounded. It's the closest thing I've ever seen in real life to this Jeep. And I, I just wanted to do everything, just take that Jeep right then. I was, I was thinking, maybe I should just steal the Jeep from the man, right? I just, and now's my moment. And so I, just, I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking about this dream, and I pull up next to the Jeep, and I'm just, I am astounded. I'm like, what in the world? And it's once again, it's the Holy Spirit saying, I know this is crazy. I want you to believe it. I want you to believe this crazy story that somehow there's $10 million in a Jeep. Whatever the Jeep is, if the Jeep's a Jeep, or the, I, don't, I don't have those details figured out. All right. So months go by from the warlord dream. Plenty of time for me to get discouraged. It's really easy when the Lord gives you the word. It's really easy to have faith that day. But tomorrow has troubles and naysayers, and discouragements, and, you know, whatever, the car breaks down. I mean, it's like, you've got life happening. Months go by, and I'm still believing it. I'm still praying for it, but I am discouraged, and I, I'm looking in the news, something online, and I, I see the most bizarre headline maybe I have ever seen in my life. I am praying every day, God give us the $10 million. It's not $10 million, it's the $10 million because it's a specific $10 million he's going to give us. So it's not like I'm just asking for random money. It's money he said we're going to get. I'm praying for the $10 million every day. I read in the news this article. It says, modern day bonanza. So, okay. The, the article, actually it says, modern day bonanza of $10 million dollars in rare mint condition gold coins. I opened the article and it's about a Californian couple that are out walking their dog on their property. Now this is property they've owned for years, maybe a decade, maybe it's in the family, I don't know, they've had it for a long time, it's not like they just bought the property. 
They've had the property for a long time. And they're walking around, and underneath a tree, they see something kind of sticking up or whatever, and they go and look over there. It's buried treasure. $10 million in rare gold coins. In the news. I pray every day for $10 million of buried treasure. And I'm looking at the news, it says $10 million in buried treasure. I'm freaked out of my mind. I can't believe what I'm reading. I just shake my head. I, this, this kind of stuff happens. You know that California couple didn't know this was coming. It's like they just found $10 million in buried gold coins under their, in their property. I just, I was blown away. And the Lord again, just saying, I do this. I've got this. This is real. And so now we're not just talking dreams. Now we're talking dreams and weird FJ cruisers and weird, you know, stories on the internet. I mean, just strange things happening. Well, we started to get more words in this time period about buried treasure under my house. And now, now in some of these dreams, it's buried treasure. In some, it's like dinosaur bones. In some, it's this. In some, it's that. But all of it, whatever it is that's under the house, one thing in common. It's worth millions and millions of dollars or 10 million specifically, and it's buried under my house. So we've got all these dreams. Sometimes it's gold, sometimes it's bones, sometimes it's just weird stuff. So I don't know, maybe it's all under there, man. I'm telling you what, my house may really be where it's at. So I'm, I have this story about the $10 million Bonanza article, and I'm telling a group of people, and I'm so excited. Now this is the very first time that in a group of people, I've said out loud, I believe God's going to give us $10 million and I've been praying for it every day. I also believe it's buried under my house. <laughs> kind of a weird thing to say. But I feel like, hey, I got this, you know, story, you know, news story that this guy and gal, whatever, they found it in the house. So I say it out loud. As soon as I say it out loud, Andrew Meek, who was in the group, one of our worship leaders, a dear friend of this ministry, uh, Andrew Meek, as soon as I tell the story... He says, he stops me. He's like, Brad, Brad, you're not going to believe this. He said, uh, last, was it last night? Last night or a couple days ago. It must have been the weekend. No, no, I think it was, yeah, I think it was last night. He said, last night, I led worship for Cindy Jacobs. It was a national prayer, uh, a national prayer meeting of prayer movement leaders. And during the meeting, she began to prophesy that the Lord was going to release valuable mineral rights this year and that prayer ministries would begin to find things buried under their properties. Okay, I, I read this news article about buried treasure. I say, hey, buried treasure. Then he says, oh, I'm glad you said that because yesterday the, the Cindy Jacobs prophet lady says buried treasure. I'm like, under prayer ministries properties, not just anybody. I'm thinking this is so bizarre. So a short time later, I have another dream. In the dream, it's like I was a construction foreman. I was coming onto the construction site after having been away for whatever period of time. And the construction site was my house. I was greeted by someone tell me that the excavators had identified a large wooden crate underneath my house. They showed me an animated proposal of what it would look like to get the crate out from underneath my house. And then I woke up. So here I'm having a dream about 
some excavation process, project, whatever, to get some large something that's buried under my house up from underneath it. Well, that same fall, it was just a little bit of time later, Andrew Meek had a dream. He said, in the dream, I was watching a news report, and they were talking about how this person found part of a very famous boat under their home. And how it was worth a ton of money because it was a very famous boat that they had been looking for for decades. Okay, cool. Then the news person started talking about Brad Stroop and how this same thing had happened to him as well, where the rudder of a super old ship was found under his house that's worth millions of dollars. Have you guys ever had someone dream something so weird about you? I mean, it's, have you had multiple people do it? This is weird. This is, this is, it's intriguing a little. It's bizarre to the max. Well, a few months later, Andrew Meek had another dream. It was more or less the same dream, but a little bit different. Said in the dream, there was a guy who'd found a piece of a ship that was worth a lot of money. A line of people were being interviewed by a news lady. You, me. We're the last one in the line, and you definitely got your chance to share your miracle. You just had to wait and watch other people share their stories first. The sense was that there would be more stories of people finding stuff buried in their backyards worth lots of money before we got our miracle, almost that this would be a confirmation that ours is still going to happen. So if you hear of anything... Call me. All right, so it's a couple months later. Luke Cooper, he has a dream. And in the dream, just so bizarre, in the dream, Luke was Nicolas Cage from National Treasure. Okay? So he's National Treasure Luke, uh, you know, uh, Nicolas Cage. And he's on an impossible mission searching for hidden treasure in the White House. Woodrow Wilson former president of the United States. Woodrow Wilson came into the room with a big grin on his face. And he handed Luke the key of the presidents, which is what we had been looking for. He led us to a secret passage, and I heard Woodrow say, he's going to find the treasure and it will change everything. So the, the, Woodrow's the Lord in the dream. I mean, the Lord is showing himself as this powerful person who's able to navigate the circumstances, able to make it happen, the impossible to happen, find the buried treasure. So it's a little bit of time later. I have this dream, and this dream is going to show up more in a future session. We've talked about it a little bit uh, in, in the past, but I'm just going to share uh, part of the dream. <clears throat> this dream began just after me... And a small team had stormed an enemy's fortress. And we had taken control of this enemy base. It was a large and fully furnished base, like the headquarters of a major operation. And we had secured most of the facility when I went into the private office of the former leader that we had just overthrown. I cracked the safe, and <clears throat> where, this is where he uh, stashed his greatest riches, it was far smaller than I expected because I was thinking that the riches would be in the form of large amounts of cash. Instead, inside the safe were no diamonds or large bills. Instead, there were several small pendants, but each of these pendants was worth countless millions of dollars. 
So again, just another one of these dreams about finding millions kind of in some ways that are a little like sketchy. You know, I mean, a warlord cheating another warlord out of a Jeep and then there's $10 million in it. I mean, this is weird. I'll tell you, I believe this is weird. I believe it's true too, which is scary, but it's real. All right. Well, now I want to transition. It, this all comes back around, I promise. But I want to transition about Cooper coming words. I started to get a, a series of encounters with the Lord. And I'll tell you the first one here in a minute. A series of encounters where that Escapade building, it's over on Cooper Street. And the Lord would start speaking about Cooper coming. And I understood that when he was talking about Cooper coming, he was talking about the Escapade building being given to us or us buying it or whatever it is that's going to wind up in our possession. So when I, when I hear the term Cooper's coming, I know that that's what the Lord is referring to, though he's using parabolic language to communicate it. All right? So just a real quick uh, reminder on that, on that dream that I gave you a minute ago where the beginning of the dream, the Coopers were coming over to our house with their new baby girl, but in the dream, the baby girl looked much older, like 11 or so. The dream really highlighted how miraculous it was, and Amy and the Coopers went inside our house, but I stayed out to get this important document. And I knew that when I had possession of the document, that that meant that we would get the buried treasure because we knew how to get it, we knew where it was, we knew how to, to, to unearth it or whatever. And I woke up knowing from that dream, I woke up knowing somehow that Cooper, the baby Cooper coming was going to be assigned to us related to the buried treasure. Just a reminder. All right. I have that dream. And a couple hours later, I'm coming to the prayer room and I'm praying about that dream. And I'm saying, Lord, I feel like, I feel like somehow the, the Cooper's kid being born is related to the buried treasure. I don't, I don't, Lord, I'm trying to figure this out. I don't exactly understand what's happening. And I asked the Lord about the, the South Cooper Street building, the Escapade building. Specifically, I asked him about the timing, about when that would land. And I heard so clearly the Holy Spirit say, when Cooper comes, Cooper comes. I went, Lord, why, why are you like this? What are you, are you saying the same thing twice or are you saying... Like when the baby comes, when baby Cooper comes, then we get the Cooper building. Like, is that what you're saying? Because baby Cooper is going to be born in like a couple months or something. I mean, like soon. And I, I don't know. I just, I just get that phrase, when Cooper comes, Cooper comes. Now, in our leadership team, we'd been talking about all these weird things, but our community wasn't really aware that we're having these weird conversations. Uh, in bulk, nobody knows that we're believing these really, really bizarre things, okay? And Tom Ferris uh, calls me just a couple of days after I get that when Cooper comes, Cooper comes word, and I just want to tell you, I am muttering around going, Cooper comes, Cooper comes, when Cooper comes, Cooper. I'm trying to figure out what it means. For two or three days, that's just on my heart and mind. I'm, I'm you know, praying about that. Tom Ferris calls me a couple days later after I hear that. And he's, he begins telling me that the Lord keeps bringing to his mind when he prays about the Cooper Street building, that uh, multiple times when he's been praying about that, he just felt like he should just write the owner or call the owner and ask the owner to just give it to us. And I was like, well, that'd be nice. And so he's calling after I'm praying when Cooper comes, Cooper comes, and it's been quiet. The community doesn't know that we're getting words about the Cooper Street building. 
I mean, they know that we've got escapade words, but those are, those are some, you know, eight months or a year old. They don't know that we're getting new information. He's calling to ask me permission to go get a lawyer and to make a legal proposal. I go, sure, man, knock yourself out. But the timing of it is alarming to me because I've just been reintroduced back into this Cooper. I had a dream, and then I get this Cooper comes, Cooper comes word. Well, that same day that Tom says that to me, he says it to me at, I don't know, 10 a.m. I go to a pastor's prayer meeting. I go to a citywide pastor's prayer meeting, and it was one of the more lively prayer meetings. And uh, in that prayer meeting, uh, one of the pastors knew Luke Cooper and knew that Luke was about to have a baby. Uh, oh, the timing was a lot closer. It was he was about to have the baby like any day. I mean, Cherish, not Luke. But they were about to have the baby like any day. You know what I mean? It was like just a couple of days. Uh, that would be a miracle. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so, so I'm in the pastor's prayer meeting, and one of the pastors, Tom Schleter, great guy, he stood up in the middle of the prayer meeting, and he says, he says, I believe that Luke Cooper's baby, which I'm like, why are, what is happening right now? said, I believe that Luke Cooper's baby is a sign of what the Lord is doing. And he doesn't really qualify it. That's a really weird thing to say in a room full of people that don't know Luke Cooper. Okay? He's prophesying. He says, I believe Luke Cooper's baby is a sign. And I'm like, I have been praying for the last several days about Luke Cooper's baby being a sign about us getting this building. Specifically, a sign. And here he's standing up. He says, Luke Cooper's baby is a sign. And he asked me, he says, Brad... Come up and pray for the Lord to release his purposes that ministries have been in labor for for years. It's like that's exactly what we're trying to see happen is that the Lord would see these things come to pass that we've been praying for for all this time. I'm just, I'm just blown away by it. Well, there's a lot of interesting things that surround baby Cooper coming. First of all, he's born on the prayer room's birthday. So baby Cooper is born on TPR's birthday. So Zephaniah Cooper, he has the same birthday as TPR. And I'm alerted by that because I'm like, it's a sign. And we've been told that this baby's a sign. This baby's a sign. Second, <laughs> Luke had always, just as a, as a point of, you know, leadership and, and responsibility, he had always had a secret prayer in his heart that they wouldn't have any kids, not like, Lord, don't give us kids, but like, Lord, it'd be really sweet if you'd let this work out this way, that we wouldn't have any kids until the daytime hours of the prayer room are complete, because that'll be at a point of stability where we're no longer going to be like really striving just to make it forward every bit. We had just launched that day the remaining daytime hours, and at that point, all we had remaining was the night watch, and a few hours after that, his kid was born. I mean, his kid was born just hours after that. I mean, it's, it's really crazy. Well, Zephaniah Allen Cooper was born on the prayer room's eighth birthday. Why do I say Zephaniah Allen Cooper? Well, the Lord had given Luke and Cherish the name of the kid early in the pregnancy, and they told no one. They felt like the Lord said, you will name him Zephaniah Allen, but don't tell anybody. Well, they've been holding that quiet. I I'm close with them. They never told me. They didn't tell me the name of the kid until the kid was out. So they tell me the name of the kid. And I said, well, what's it mean? And Luke, in classic Luke form, goes, I don't know. I went, okay, well, I'm going to go look it up. I'm going to go look up what Zephaniah Allen means. 
Zephaniah Allen means the Lord's hidden rock. Huh. The Lord's hidden rock, like gold or, or something. But it's hidden, and it's the Lord's. And the kid's a sign, and the kid's born on her birthday. I'm like, dang, Lord, this is so, what? What does that even mean? I know you're talking. I just don't understand. So he's born. He's a prophetic sign. He, he's, he's a rock. There's a hidden rock coming. I don't even know. Well, this was a very interesting month for us, September 2013. That's when our birthday is. That's when Zephaniah was born. That's when these dreams were happening. Very interesting for the prayer room. And the Lord's speaking, and he's giving us more dreams. And, and I'm in the middle of a, uh, a series. I don't even remember what the series was on Saturday nights. It was something probably end times that would seem right. And, uh, and I'm in the middle of a series, and I'm getting ready for the Saturday night teaching. And it's like, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the Saturday. And it's, it's a couple days after this happened. So you could probably go back and figure it out on the calendar. It was probably the following Saturday or the one after that, after uh, September 13th. And I'm getting ready for my message, and I feel the Holy Spirit, like, arresting me and saying, that's not what you're supposed to preach tonight. You're supposed to preach session, the next session, it was session seven at the time, session seven of your prophetic history. Well, I had always only preached six sessions because I didn't want to tell session seven. Because session seven is all this weird stuff that I'm telling you now. And it's hard to talk about, and I wasn't sure how to talk about it, and I wasn't sure where I was at on it. But I'm feeling the Holy Spirit say, you're preaching that tonight, and you're going to call it Prophetic History Session 7, picking up right where you'd left off. Well, we haven't done our prophetic history. At that point, it had been like five months. So five months in our rear view, we did Session 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, but we stopped. Here I am hearing the Holy Spirit say, you're going to preach it tonight. I'm not ready. I have to spend the rest of the afternoon kind of scrambling to get it all together, but it was the Lord. And here's what happened. I preached that message that, that night, and I, I told about the $10 million, and I, you know, I, I told about you know, the buried treasure. I told the dream, the, specifically the dream, about the Cooper's baby, and, and that I was in the front yard getting an important document, and that that important document was going to unlock where the buried treasure was and how to get the buried treasure. I told all that dream. I told everything that I knew up at that point. I told it all that night, and I was probably red in the face the whole time I told it. As soon as the message is over, and again, this is a message I did not want to preach. I did not want to give. In fact, I told the Lord, I, I said, Lord, if you tell the entire senior staff that this is what I'm supposed to do, I'll preach it. Otherwise, I am not doing this. This is, this is so uncomfortable and bizarre. And so, I'm going to ask them, and I'm going to sell it like this is a really bad idea. And I need for all of them unanimously to say, you're supposed to do it. And every one of those jokers said, you're supposed to do it. And I was like, yeah. why isn't one of you the voice of reason tonight? And they're all like, you're supposed to do it. So I did it. So I give this message that I was not planning to give. That's the part I'm trying to get you. This was not on my agenda. I didn't want to give it. I give the message. Soon as the message is over, John Lunt, who's a member of the community, has been faithful around here for forever, praying, just such an intercessor. John Lunt comes up to me as soon as I'm done with the message. I mean, the second, he comes right up to me and he says, Brad, I got a prophetic word for you. And as best as I know, he'd never in the history of my relationship with him said those words. He said, 
I got a word I got to I got to give it to you right now. It's really simple. I heard the Lord tell me that clarity is coming on the eighth day. The heck does that mean, John? Okay. Thanks. What are you, man, I'm telling you. Gosh. Anyway, so I'm like, okay, clarity is coming on the eighth day. I don't tell a soul. I don't know what to do with that. I don't even know how to process that. I don't want that clarity. Eighth day from what? Eighth day from birth? Eighth day from today? Eighth day from, what does that even mean? I don't have any idea what that means. What I do know is the Holy Spirit told him during my message, tell Brad this word. This, he got it right then, and he came up and gave it to me right then. It's related to the message I just gave. Okay, And the message that I just gave was all about there's buried treasure under my house, but we can't access it without a document. Tracking? All right. Well, I told no one this word. But eight days later, I had the craziest thing happen to me. So that was a Saturday. So the eighth day would be Sunday a week later. Okay? All right? So Sunday... Jack and Luis Certeza come up to me. I love Jack and Luis. They come up to me, and they gave me something that they found at Vina's Lost Sisters garage sale. Okay? So it's like, so she, she's having a garage sale, and a bunch of people went to the garage sale, and Jack and Luis went to the, the garage sale. And while they were there, they saw this book, and they thought it was cute, and they thought of me, and so they didn't read it. But they saw it. They saw the, the title of the book, and they thought, oh, let's get that for Brad. It's only a dollar or free or whatever it was. And so they got it. They did not read it until they got home. And then when they got home, they got probably all ghost-faced. And then they were sure that they were supposed to give it to me. I mean, they were going to give it to me anyway. But they get home, and it's now. Now, that was, I'm guessing that the garage sale was Saturday. I'm guessing. Sound right? Well, they're giving it to me on Sunday, the eighth day. You with me? All right, they gave me what has now become my most favorite children's book ever written. It's a children's book called The Treasure. And if you'll indulge me, I would now like to read you this children's story. You're laughing now, but you won't be in a minute. <laughs> okay, The Treasure. By the way, this book is written by a lost Jew. So not a Jew for Jesus, lost Jew, and not even a practicing Jew, not, not even a, you know, a, a Hasidic Jew, just a great guy. Let me read this story. There was once a man, and his name was Isaac. He lived in such poverty that again and again he went to bed hungry. One night he had a dream. In his dream, a voice told him to go to the capital city and look for a treasure under the bridge by the royal palace. It's only a dream, he thought when he woke up, and he paid no attention to it. The dream came back to him a second time, and Isaac still paid no attention to it. The dream came back a third time. He said, maybe it's true. So he set out on his journey. 
his journey, if you guys are tracking with any of these language points. Now and then someone gave him a ride, but most of the way he walked. He walked through forests. He crossed over mountains. Finally, he reached the capital city. But when he came to the bridge by the royal palace, he found that it was guarded day and night. He did not dare to search for the treasure. Yet he returned to the bridge every morning and wandered around until dark. One day, the captain of the guards asked him, why are you here? Isaac told him the dream. The captain laughed. You poor fellow, he said. What a pity you wore your shoes out for a dream. Listen, if I believed a dream I once had, I would go right now to the city you came from and I'd look for a treasure under the stove in the house of a fellow named Isaac. And he laughed again. Isaac bowed to the captain and started on his long way home. He crossed over mountains. He walked through forests. And now and then someone gave him a ride, but most of the way he walked. At last he reached his own town. When he got home, he dug under his stove. And there he found the treasure. In thanksgiving, he built a house of prayer. In thanksgiving, he built a house of prayer, end quote. And in one of its corners, he put an inscription, sometimes one must travel far to discover what is near. Isaac sent the captain of the guards a priceless ruby, and for the rest of his days, he lived in contentment, and he was never poor again. We had been having dreams about the Lord giving us buried treasure that's under my house, so we can build the house of prayer. That when we got this money, we would never be in lack again. I don't know how much I feel like Isaac, poor, barely able to make ends meet for year after year after year. And here we are, this journey related to the, the money that's buried under the house. This lost Jew wrote a book about a buried treasure and I'm given the document on the eighth day that tells us where and how to access the treasure. It's under your stove. Insert multiple words that are not supposed to be said on a microphone. The heck am I supposed to do with that, Lord? You just, you just said, I'm going to get a document that's going to bring me clarity on the eighth day that's going to help us know how to get the buried treasure that's somehow under my house. This guy has multiple dreams about buried treasure under his house. And he digs under his stove. And there's buried treasure. And what does he do about the house of prayer? This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I'm supposed to do something with this. Well, I'm processing. I'm freaking out. I'm processing. I didn't read the, the, the book at church. I waited until I got home, and now I'm, I'm reading it, and I am freaking out. 
And I'm reading all this and I'm, everything's jumping around in my head, buried treasure under the house. It's all, I'm just, my mind's blown. And all of a sudden while I'm doing that, I have for some reason a recollection of a dream that Bernie uh, Brenner, who told you guys a little bit about him before, he was one of our big time dreamers in the early days. He had a dream in 2010 that everything in the dream happened except this one component. And the one component always bugged me that it didn't happen. I don't know how else to describe it. The dream happened like, like he had it, but there was one component of the dream that I was always like, but what about that piece? Why didn't that ever happen? Why didn't that ever happen? I don't know what to do with that. And it's such a weird component, but for some reason it haunted me, and I don't know why, but at this moment, I remembered that dream, and here was the component. He was in the backyard of a house doing some work in the yard, and there was this black, this is Bernie's language, I love it, this black piece of something hanging a little out of the ground or sticking a little out of the ground that looked like it was melted by the elements or the sun. And I was talking to Brad on the phone at that point, and he said, that thing really needs to be replaced. So here I'm having a conversation with Bernie about this black thing sticking out of the ground in this dream that happened in 2010. It just, that component always stuck with me. Here I am now, I'm talking about this buried treasure. I've got this treasure book. And for some reason, I just, I don't know why. I just, in my mind, I said, Lord, if I go in my backyard right now and where the stove is, I know where the stove is, on the outside of the house. If I find that black thing sticking up out of the ground right there, we're digging. I walk in the backyard and right over where the stove is to my house. This is sticking up out of the ground. I think it's a piece of part of the foundation or something. Does it look about right? Yeah, yeah. It's a piece of the foundation, something or other. I've lived in this house at that point for a lot of years. I mean, you know, this, this was now... 2013, I'd been in there since 2005. I've lived in that house a long time. And this thing, how did I never see this? Sticking up out of the ground right there. I mean, as many times as, you know, I've been back there and everything else. I just looked at it and I laughed out loud and I said, we're digging. We are digging under this house for buried treasure. Oh, yes, we are. (laughs) And so I called the senior staff and I said, you guys, get your shovels and get over to my house. And I told them the whole story and all of them were like, I think that's the Lord. You found the black thing from the bird tree? Yeah, I found it. And they gave you the book on the anti. I go, that's exactly what happened. Said, it's gotta be there. I said, even if it's not, we can't not dig. We must dig. And dig we did. We dug and dug well under the foundation where the stove was dug and dug and dug and found nothing. And I don't know why we found nothing because we should have found $10 million under there. I don't know what in the world all of that is about, except that I believe it. And there is something under my house. We just, something, haven't found it yet, something. Let me give you another piece of this storyline and then then we'll end for tonight. The Cooper Sanchez storyline. You go, what is Cooper Sanchez storyline? Andy and I are talking about the 
the baby Cooper uh, situation. It's about a year, year goes back or year goes on. Talking about the when Cooper comes, Cooper comes word. And we're having a, a conversation about it. And at the time of our conversation, Vina was pregnant with one of the girls. I think uh, maybe Abigail at that point. And, and they already knew that Abigail was a girl. But Andy had a dream a year to the day that baby Cooper was born on our birthday. Baby Cooper was really born September 13th. A year later, September 13th, Andy has a dream. We've already been talking about, you know, when Cooper comes, Cooper comes, what does that mean? He has a dream a year later about Vina giving birth to a boy named Cooper. And I'm like, what in the world do we do with that? And we didn't, we didn't know, is that like, are they going to have a boy and his name Cooper? Maybe I, we didn't really know, but we knew it was part of the storyline of the Cooper building happening in a huge surprise. Cause that was something that we weren't expecting. Here it is a year later. Remember the Lord said, when Cooper comes, it's a sign. Baby Cooper is a sign. He's born on the day. He's up in I Allen. Lord's hidden rock. Well, that same, uh, same week, somebody in our community says, hey, listen, I just had the weirdest thing happen. I said, what? He said, well, you know the, the Escapade building? And I'm like, oh, do I know the Escapade building? I have quite a love, love relationship with that building. Yes. And, uh, and she said, well, I drive by there all the time and I pray for it. She said, sometimes I even go into the parking lot across the street and read my Bible and just pray at the building for it to be ours. And I was like, I like you. She said, I have been watching that thing for years. I said, well, yeah, me too. She said, I have never seen this happen before. While I was over there praying for the building, the owner came up and opened the gate to the facility. She said, I've never seen that gate opened ever. I said, I've never seen it open. She said, that gate was open right then. And I went, the gate to the Cooper building is open a year to the day. I don't even know what to do with that. Okay, so what? So what? Why does that matter? So what? Let me tell you what happens to me two hours later. Okay? I'm pondering this. I don't know what to do with it. JC, my sweet daughter, she was two at the time. She walks up to me. She doesn't know this happened. She doesn't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. She walks up to me randomly that same morning, just maybe an hour later, two hours later. And she gives me the weirdy prophet stare. You ever gotten the weirdy prophet stare? They look at you and they're kind of like they know something. But she's two, but I can tell she knows something. And out of the blue, out of the mouth of babes, this is what she says. She says, Daddy, Cooper is in here. And she hands me a piece of paper for the call Berkeley, which is a solemn assembly that was a prayer and fasting assembly. She said, Cooper is in here. And I understood what that meant was we get Cooper by prayer and fasting. We get Cooper. But here she is saying it to me the same morning that, that the lady saying the gates open, which is just a few days afterward. And he has a dream about this thing. thing. I feel crazy. So Cherish and, and, uh, uh, Cherish and Amy, Cherish Cooper and Amy, are just, this is just a, a little bit later, I don't know, a couple months later. They're at Chick-fil-A. And they're letting JC and Zephaniah play in the playground at Chick-fil-A. And they're just talking and catching up. 
And they're talking about dreams, and Amy's telling Cherish, yeah, Brad's had these dreams about, you know, Cooper coming, and, and Andy had this dream about Vina having a baby boy and naming him Cooper. And as soon as she says that, Cherish says, wow, that's really crazy. I've had two dreams about Vina having a boy, and now you're telling me that they've had a dream about naming the boy Cooper. Wow, that's really crazy that I've had that dream. A few minutes after that moment, a few minutes later, a little boy comes up to Cherish and Amy. They'd just been talking about this and stuff. A little boy comes up in the play area and he introduces himself to them. Just this bold, you know, four-year-old or whatever. He says, hi, my name's Cooper. <laughs> and both of them with wide eyes, both of them out loud say, it's a sign. Cooper is coming. This is real. Now listen, I, there is no point to this. I don't have any like, and then we got the thing. We don't have the thing. Okay? Here's what I'm certain of. We're going to get the thing. Worship team, you can come on up. Here's, here's the gist of the story. Here are the pieces of this that I'm sure of. It is very important to the Lord that we believe whatever this is. It is very important to the Lord that we buy into it, that we pray it, that we believe that we're going to get that escapade building, that we believe that we're going to get the, the money, whether buried treasure or whatever. It's very important to the Lord that we believe that and that we pray for it. It's something that the Lord has highlighted again and again. And let me, let me tell you why. We don't need a big building and $10 million so that we can be important. We must have it to fulfill the purposes that the Lord has for this ministry. We must have it for us to fulfill the purposes that God has given us. So it's not about ambition or about looking cool. I feel like we look about completely as uncool as possible. It's about the purposes of God. He said, that's my $10 million. That's my escapade building. This is my purpose. You are moving to Cooper Street. Somewhere in the language, these little prophetic utterances of FJ cruisers and buried treasure and... All these things, somehow these things will make sense or they won't, but we are to believe and to press in that the Lord is going to give us that building and give us the $10 million. And so I share these stories with you because I, I can be honest with you and tell you it is a struggle to keep believing for things that seem so far off and bizarre, but the Lord keeps highlighting these points again and again we're on the hook. And so I want you to know as part of the prayer room, you're part of this story. And as bizarre as it is, this is your weird uncle too. And you can't get rid of him by putting him in a closet. You can't pretend that's not real. We believe this here. We believe this is where we're going and what's gonna happen. I believe there's stuff under my house. I mean, I honestly believe that. I don't know how we're going to get it or what, but somehow or the other, all that's going to, wisdom will be proved right by, by our children eventually. We're going to look at this thing at some point in retro and we're going to go just like the however many other stories where we had prophetic leading, it seemed impossible and it happened. And, when, and with 2020, we looked back and went, that's what that meant. The Lord was telling us the truth. We just didn't understand it exactly. We will have that sort of story in the future. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.